all the feels on this one. Because that's what the science says. Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of Real Everything. I'm all about loving the skin you're in and being healthy inside and out. Let's talk about what this looks like in real life. Facts do not have opinions. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne of thepaleomom.com. I believe that scientific literacy is the key to improving public health. Just don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. Science is true whether or not you believe in it. Self-love is really about self-respect and acceptance. Welcome to The Whole View, episode 495. We are going to be talking about initiating a self-care plan with yourself without guilt. (laughs) Uh, Last year, we did a detailed show for Valentine's Day, which by the way, happy Valentine's, happy Galentine's, happy National Self-Care Day, however you're going to think about this. Um, Last year, we did a show, episode 447, where we talked about basic needs not counting as self-care. AKA Sarah's Intervention. (laughs) Sarah's Intervention (laughs) show. And you weren't the only one. We got a lot of questions as a follow-up asking, okay, but like, how do I actually initiate this and schedule this for myself and not feel guilty? And so we're just going to revisit this topic because it's a big one. And it's very unique to individual people, but it is also something that applies to everyone. And I just want to remind people, you can go back and listen to that show first if you haven't yet. But as a reminder, proper self-care improves your health. So if you're doing all these other things that we talk about to improve your health, but you're not making time for self-care, you aren't optimizing your health and wellness because proper self-care reduces blood pressure, increases oxygenation in the blood. Look at me saying scientific (laughs) terms. Um, And best of all, releases happy hormones like serotonin. So it literally brings you joy. And all of those things, as we've discussed on the show before, improve your overall health function as well. So just a trip alone to the grocery store isn't going to do those things. (laughs) It's like basic tasks and not true self-care. So we're going to revisit just kind of a reminder of what self-care is, but it is different for us all. I remember, Sarah, when we talked about it last time, you and I had some similar things, but different things that we each considered self-care. But you also had kind of an aha moment when you said, oh, it's not just like a manicure or pedicure. Yeah. And I think what for me was so eye-opening about doing that show was looking at how I've routinized self-care. And I think that's one of my biggest tips when I'm talking to somebody who's really struggling to find the time for self-care is for me, as soon as I put it into my you know, some things are in my daily routine, some things are my weekly routine. But as soon as it becomes part of my every day, then it it's scheduled, right? It's it's something that I'm making time for on a daily basis because for me, I have found that uh, I really, I really need that self-care every single day. Like I need something for me every single day to recharge myself. And I, I felt like when I was thinking of it really simplicity, 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 when I was thinking about it in a really simple way, (laughs) 
that's going to be one of those days I see. Um, you know, I, I, I felt like, you know, if I get a massage a month, that's my self-care. And it just, A, that actually isn't what makes me feel like I'm nurturing myself. That wasn't the right thing for me. But also it made it feel like it was only something I could afford both the, the time investment as well as the financial investment on a sporadic basis and, and rethinking self-care in terms of things like my unplugged nature walk every morning with my dog as being something that I do for self-care or um, reading a novel and taking time to just like completely read something that's not actually relevant to my life other than I am loving this story to see that as self-care, like being able to really look at the things in my day-to-day life that bring me joy, that bring me relaxation, that make me feel recharged at the end. And then seeing seeing self-care through that lens really helped me realize that, uh, no, I, you know, a manicure is just not my thing. That's not what I want to do. And I need something daily. I don't, it's, it doesn't work for me if I'm only carving out time for myself once a month. Yeah, I think those are all really great points and glad that you heard them through that show. And hopefully we can reiterate them this show. I think one of the things that was kind of a light bulb moment for me and you talking about that was this realization that um, what I call is our most radical act of self-love being accepting yourself and Mm -hmm. wanting to respect yourself. And I think those were things that you were already doing or maybe embraced a little bit more or, you know, carved out more time for when you thought about them more. But already you had been through this journey with yourself where you had come to self-acceptance. And I think one of the things that I hear most often from people who feel guilty or selfish about self-care, this is like the number one thing that I hear is like, but I don't want to be selfish. So for example, I don't want to be selfish and take time to read my book or to go on a walk because my family needs me or because I could be doing this other thing that would benefit my life in some other way. And I think our mind goes to those places when we're not accepting like who and what our lives are. And when we walk through like the different kinds of self-care and I I do want to like dive into letting go of that guilt, but I want to like lead with this idea that you can't get there if you don't choose to love yourself first. So as RuPaul says, if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love somebody else, right? And so if you're always putting oxygen masks on other people first, you will eventually run out of air yourself and not be able to help others or yourself. So I know that those things are easier said than done, but I do want people to think like, well, you know, would I talk to my mom, my sister, my daughter, my friend the same way that I talk to myself? And these are these are how you build in self-love and self-acceptance and self-respect. All the things that we talk about on the show when we're talking about health and wellness inside and out, like this is a requirement of that. You cannot be optimally well if you aren't taking care of yourself first. And I'm not I'm not even asking Sarah if that's correct because I already know she's yeah. gonna tell me it's true. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Because all of the things that we do to improve our health 
still fall under the banner of self-care and they're also next level. So if we're not taking the the very basic step of looking after our emotional needs, it our bodies are not responding to the things that we're doing to look after our physical needs, if that makes sense, right? So yep. if if we look at this through the lens of the HPA axis, the, the fight or flight system in the body, if we're not taking the time to rest, to recharge, to look after our mental health through self-care, then we are creating a system where our emotional state is driving our HPA axis overactivation. Then we're under chronic stress. And then our bodies can't, can't, we're not going to rest. Uh, we're not going to sleep as, as well. Uh, we're not going to make as good food choices. That's going to drive uh, cravings and increased appetite. It's going to reduce motivation for activity. And also then all of the efforts that we're putting into diet and lifestyle choices, A, it feels bigger, it feels harder. And also through the chronic stress, our bodies are not going to respond as well. Like a really simple way to think of it is um, the nutrients that are depleted by chronic stress that we've covered on the show before, uh, especially vitamin C and magnesium. Well, then if you're getting you know, that vitamin C and magnesium from your food, you're burning through it so quickly, you're still basically in a nutrient insufficient state. So thinking of it, you know, that is one really easy to understand example of how the body can't respond to the good choices we're making when we're not dealing with that chronic underlying stress, which yes, comes from, you know, teenagers and bills and deadlines and traffic and all of those other things, but also not, you know, I think a, a major overlooked thing that we can do to be really proactive in increasing our resilience to stress is this, it's, it's self-care. Absolutely. And I think if you don't stop to appreciate yourself and take care of yourself, you will constantly be feeling like you need to do more. It's a perpetual thirst that cannot be quenched. There is always something more that I could be doing or that's on my to-do list or that I have a vision for. Like you cannot possibly do everything every day. You are one person. Um, so you need to be there for yourself first and foremost. And you cannot love yourself if you don't accept yourself. You have to respect yourself enough to do the things like getting adequate sleep to be patient enough with the people who you want to help. Like mm -hmm. you, you just, you can't not sleep like, okay, well, uh, I could say that if I only slept two hours a night, I could get more stuff done. <laughs> It's not going to work out really well for me, is it? Right. So you hear me say that and you're like, that's preposterous, but that's kind of the mindset that we have. So let's walk through what are some of these self-cares because you've heard us talk about sleep. You heard Sarah talk about walking her dog or reading a book. So there's different kinds of self-care. And what was interesting to me is when we put that original show together, 477, we both talked about, uh, 447, excuse me. Um, we both talked about we lean into like one or two of these things more than we lean into the others. Mm -hmm. And I've actively been working on some of the other areas since then to kind of balance out my sense of self. And so I would challenge you listeners to, to do that as well as I walk through some of these, because 
some are going to, you're going to be like, oh yeah, I do that all the time. But then if you're not doing any of the other areas, it is not a, a balanced um, equilibrium, so to speak, within your sense of self. So mind is one area. So we're going to call that emotional self-care. Things like thinking positively or not assuming the worst. Um, meditation, which you know I feel about that. <laughs> but it works for a lot of people. Mindfulness, as I like to call it. Um, therapy is a fantastic self-care activity for your mind. And then self-acceptance practice. So listening to shows like this or writing post-it notes on your mirrors that say positive things about yourself and just, you know, reiterating those concepts to yourself. Body, loving your physical self with nourishing food, which can also be emotionally nourishing. Um, Mm -hmm. We've talked about that here on the show. Um, You can also move your body in a way that you enjoy. And there's lots of ways to do that, whether that's for me, water aerobics or Peloton or for Sarah, you know, walking and lifting. Um, There's just so many ways you can put on music and have a dance party with yourself, you know, just whatever that is, moving your body in a way that you enjoy is practicing self-care. And then, of course, sleep, which we talk about a lot because it is so important to your health and wellness. Another type of self-care is interpersonal. So your relationship with others, things like drawing healthy boundaries, learning to say no when you need to, and getting disconnected both in real life or like online. For me, this is one I was not practicing very well, and it definitely made me feel the most overwhelmed but I also have such a hard time saying no. So I'll give you an example. Yesterday, I was on a meeting with about 40 leaders who all have a similar position to mine. And we were sharing things that we were doing um, that help our businesses, you know, like, you know, learning from each other. <laughs> Women empowerment. Look at that. It's, I, it's <laughs> I love this business. Anyway, so I shared something that I was doing and several people said, could you offer a training on how you do that? And like, because several people asked, the person who was running the meeting then asked me if I would be interested in doing that. And I said, well, here, I'm going to teach you another thing that I do that's really important for my business. And that is knowing what I cannot add to my plate. And unfortunately, that's not something that I can do right now. What a brilliant way to say no. Can I just interject (laughs) and say that is the most empowering way to say no. I had a conversation with a friend a couple of days ago where I said like the most important skill I've learned as a parent, a parent is how to say no without actually using the word no. Right. So, uh, can I have a cookie? Oh, cookie's such a great idea. How about, on Friday, you know, why don't we have cookies for dessert that day? Because then we've got to, you know, what's going to feel like a real treat because we will celebrate the whole week, right? Like I said no, but I, I made it about a different thing, right? Like, um, and, and I love applying that same philosophy to business. I think it's so much harder in our professional lives to say no, because we feel especially when you feel like you're turning down an opportunity, that's, that can be a really, really challenging 
time to say no. Um, and so to be able to, to phrase it in this way that is like a teachable moment, Stacy, brilliant, brilliant. Oh, thank you. I'm taking that forward in my life and applying it uh, <laughs> ev- everywhere. Thank you. Well, also, like, if I don't do it that way, then I walk away feeling guilty. Like, well, I could help these women. I should do that, blah, blah, blah. And so I paid attention to that internal dialogue. And when I started having those should statements to myself, I'm like, I need to draw a boundary around this because I don't like what I'm thinking. And that is exactly what a self-care practice is for me interpersonally. It looks different for everybody, but I appreciate that you like that example. Um, The last one is personal. And these are the things that bring you joy. So you heard Sarah talk about hers. Um, For me, it's tending to my plants. Although when I'm super stressed, I don't like tending to my plants. And this is exactly another example, right? Like I'm not taking that self-care time for myself. My plants feel like a stress instead of I'm taking this time to nurture and love these plants, which also is in turn nurturing and loving myself. So if you find yourself avoiding a hobby, um, like for me, I like playing with makeup. And if I haven't like gotten dressed and done my makeup in a few days. I'm like, what's going on with me, right? Like I'm avoiding personal self-care. Um, maybe it's reading, writing, journaling, listening to music, dancing, whatever these personal joys are for you, definitely pay attention to when you start not doing them or avoiding them or not making time for them because that's probably exactly when you need to do that because if you're skipping self-care, it's just adding more to your plate. So those are just examples of like the four areas that we talked about in episode 447. But what we want to talk about this week is how do I actually do those things? How do I build them into my schedule? How do I not feel guilty? And I think one of the best ways to do that is to have a support system. Mm. This episode is sponsored by Wondrium, a home to video and audio learning experience on virtually any topic you can imagine. Check out documentaries, series, lessons, how-tos, and more, all presented by teachers, professors, and experts who really know their stuff and who make learning fun and exciting. We've always been fascinated by space, so we recently started binging this new program called The Big Bang and Beyond, exploring the early universe. It's so cool. Well, you know, space is huge in our family, too. In fact, one of the reasons we chose the name for our youngest daughter is because it's the name of a famous variable star that astronomers have been studying for 400 years. So, (laughs) nerd. But even for us, it's hard to wrap our minds around some of these facts, like a hundred billionth of a second after the Big Bang, the universe was at a quadrillion degrees. Cosmic microwave background radiation is the oldest light in the universe. The light that is reaching our telescopes now was emitted at the edge of our observable universe almost 13.8 billion years ago and has been traveling towards us ever since. Cosmologists were still debating the validity of the Big Bang model into the 1960s, and we only confirmed the existence of dark matter in the 1970s, so these discoveries of the early universe are fairly recent in history. I am, like literally so fascinated by space in the universe. Uh, I highly recommend checking out The Big Bang and Beyond, exploring the early universe, available to stream only on Wondrium. 
The Wondery Room app makes it so easy to listen and learn on the go. I can toggle back and forth between audio and video, and Wondrium's content is so high quality. We want you to sign up for Wondrium today. Wondrium is offering you, our listeners, a special limited time offer, a free 22-day trial membership. To get this offer, you need to visit wondrium.com slash wholeview. Again, that's W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M dot com slash wholeview. Sign up today. For Christmas, Matt's mom asked what she could give us. And I said, honestly, we don't need anything. I know you want to give us something. And the thing that we really need the most is alone time together. Would you be willing to gift us watching the kids, like staying with the kids for us? Um And she paused and she thought about it because it's a little more complex with kiddo, right? Like what is involved in needing for her to stay here for us to be able to leave. And she said, yeah, I want to do that for you. Let's figure that out. I remember what it was like to have four kids and to want to get away and how important that is for your marriage. And I want to help you do that. So not only do you need a support system around you, but I also communicated that I had that need, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Both of those things go hand in hand, right? But I think um, one of the things that we need to do is also let go of expectations with this support system that you have. Um, Does Matt, for example, when I go and give myself shorter term self-care, do everything how I would have done it? Absolutely not. Is he perfect? No, but neither am I. We both make a ton of mistakes. But does it help him build his own relationship with his children by being the sole caretaker and allowing me some time off? Yes, absolutely it does, which is a very positive thing. If you don't have a supportive partner, um, if that's not available to you, then think outside the box. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends. I have a lot of family members who aren't local, but who are willing to help out, knowing how important it is for Matt and I to be able to get those breaks. And so, for example, we're traveling to Florida over spring break, and my sister has already arranged for doing some things with the kids, just her to give Matt and I some downtime while we're with her. So we're building in that time, that self-care with the support system that we have at the times that are available to us. It does take a lot of work on the front end for us to prep. I mean, like I said, we we have a foster child with, you know, higher emotional needs and my f- biological three children are not easy at like on their own let's just be honest but it has made a huge difference in our own well-being and relationships with one another to figure that out if you don't have anyone you could work with to build that support just at all maybe you're overseas in the military or you know just whatever the case may be um Join a support group with the intent of building a relationship where you can swap for each other. There are a lot of people that do this. And if you have a reasonable goal time for yourself, like building that relationship over a year, it's very feasible. I joined a foster support group 
with those specific hopes. Uh, I wanted to be able to find caretakers that could be a fit for respite, um, which I talked about in our foster podcast a while ago, um, because there wasn't really good respite options with the agency that I work with at the time because of COVID and all these things. And so um, I joined foster support groups, A, that's a um, act of self-care for myself to have a support group and B also because it allowed me to make friendships and connections with other people. And I ended up doing that. I ended up finding someone who is available for respite if we ever need it. And when my kids were younger, I did the same thing with La Leche League and moms groups and that kind of stuff, building a community that can be support for you. For us, we have lived far away from our family for as long as we've had kids. And so that's meant that we've had to find support like this through friendships. But also, I think it's also meant that we've found different ways to take these kinds of breaks, right? So taking a break in a room in the house by myself, right? So it's where we spell off each other um, in order to have the other parent be able to have a break. And as our kids got older and were able to, you know, be in a room by themselves and not, we don't have to worry about what they're going to wrap around their necks. My kid's favorite hazard was always the strangulation hazard. Oh out of all the different, of all the different toddler hazards, the strangulation hazard was their go-to. Um, but once they were like older, that also, you know, changes the dynamic and it made us, it made it us able to take time together when the kids could really like most of the time, unless we were going out away for, for a weekend, the, the kids are fine. Uh, you know, they're old enough to hang out on an evening by themselves if we want to go out for an evening. Uh, you know, we, before the pandemic, we went out and did uh, improv performances together. We're both professional improvisers on the side, which is a it, not something that I don't, I don't know if we're going back to that, but that was our big evenings out and the kids were fine. They just put themselves to bed, right? They were old enough, uh, legally old enough and also responsible enough. And We've just had to find, I think, some sort of different ways of finding that support system, but also being uh, internally supportive and independent in that way and being able to just find alone time again, like uh, I'm, I'm going to go hang out in a room by myself with the door closed and read a book. Um, so finding finding other ways to still get that break. I think it's really, it is really possible even when you feel like you don't have the family or friendship support network. It just takes getting together as a family and figuring out how we're going to, how we're going to make this work within our family. I love that you talked about kind of talking about it as a family, because that is part of the communication aspect that I think is really important. And if we're not communicating that we have a need for something, don't expect anyone to know it. No one can read your mind. Matt can um, offer me like a sleep in day when I'm irritable. <laughs> like yesterday, I was um, quite crabby with him and he just kept his distance, right? Um, and offered to like help me out. But it's not always something you want someone to get to a place where they're snapping, right? You want to yeah. be able to, as a person, identify your need before you get to that point. And it's up to me to recognize when I have a need for a break. For example, you know, I'm going to go take a bath and 
don't bother me for two hours. <laughs> like, kids. And I communicate this, right? I'm like, kids, I'm going to go have alone time. If you need something, talk to your dad. And something as simple as that makes a huge difference. Because if the kids don't know that I'm having alone time, then when they come and ask me something, they don't realize that they are encroaching upon something. Mm-hmm. They can't respect something if they don't know that it's being asked of them. So I, I love the idea of, you know, bringing the the relevant parties together to discuss these things. Even if it's, um, I remember when the kids were younger and we got the first babysitter, I used the support system of our neighborhood Facebook page to ask people for referrals for a babysitter. And I remember Wesley, I don't know, he must have been like five or six or something. And he was like, what? A babysitter? We've never had a babysitter before because, you know, I have so much family that lives local to me. I'm really lucky. And Matt and I just like wanted to go out to dinner for a few hours or what, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it was. Our parents weren't around or whatever it was. And, and we had to like sit down and have a conversation with him. Well, dad and I have a need to go do this thing. And we think that it'll actually be cool and fun for you to hang out and play with this person who came highly recommended. It ended up being someone who lived in the neighborhood and, you know, it, it worked out really well and um, they had a great time. But I think, you know, if you don't address it and you don't explain why or, you know, how it could be of benefit to everybody and how this is a need and, and all that kind of stuff, it can really become a problem. And I think this is where like a lesson has come in for me because I'm, I'm seeing a lot of things new through kiddos eyes right now. Like, as a parent, you kind of rethink, oh, why do I do those things? Or that's different. You, that's not normal. You know, like, Mm -hmm. where, where someone else is kind of like looking in. And so the first time I scheduled self care for myself after kiddo had arrived. So this isn't just, you know, some of the things that you and I are talking about, I, I definitely, you know, prioritize as well things like, you know, the alone time in my room or taking a bath or I would also take like long lunch breaks when the kids were in school and I would go like have a picnic somewhere where it was really restorative and helpful for me. Um, Kind of like you taking your walk, right? Like I, yeah. I was still like doing those things. But for me personally, I really need a complete disconnect from my family to be a good mother because it makes me a better mother and I deserve my needs filled. So let me repeat that. Like I have to separate myself and have time away from my family in order to be a good mother. And there is absolutely no shame or your needs are however you're perceiving them as like, oh, well, I would be a better mother if I didn't blah, blah, blah. That is a judgment. That's a should statement. Like your needs are your needs and they're very valid. Your feelings, no matter what they are, are valid and you deserve that time for yourself. So the first time that I scheduled this self-care for myself was long past due. And the treatment team, the foster treatment team was the one that was like, Stacy, how can we support you in some self-care practice? Like they were seeing Uh that I was like over the edge, you know? And so we coordinated with them and with Matt and we arranged that I was going to go to a hotel and I was going to stay two miles away. And it was a really big deal because we're talking about a child who any child in foster care is going to have attachment and abandonment issues. Like, Mm -hmm. can you imagine what they have been through? Most of us cannot possibly. Right. And so it's not even just that their parents 
past, like it's they feel abandoned, right? And so most children who have been fostered or adopted kind of have this unresolved attachment issue that way. And so if the caretaker is going away for the first time, they're scared they're never going to come back. That's a legitimate fear that they have, even though like I'm going to come back, <laughs> you know, like all my stuff is here. It's not <laughs> yep. just you, like Matt and the kids are here. Of course, I'm going to come back. I'm just going to a hotel. And I almost canceled. I mean, there were so many new supports that we put in place for that to be able to happen. And I was so worried what would happen without me. All I could do was think of worst case scenarios. And then would it be even harder when I came home? What would that look like? All of these thoughts. And honestly, the first time I went away, I didn't really do a good job of self-care and disconnecting because I was so worried the whole time I was gone and I was checking in and not fully disconnecting. But ultimately, everything worked out. I came back, you know, I'm like, of course, there's things to resolve and we, you know, we work through them, but everything was fine. Everything worked out. And months later, months later, I'm mind you, um, I was talking to kiddo about them needing to practice self-care because I could tell that they were in a place where they needed to do some of these things for themselves. And they said to me, oh, like when you go to your hotel. And I said, yeah. And you know why I did that? And we had that whole conversation. And now a year later, again, full circle moment we were in the car talking, uh, they had a friend in the car and we were talking about someone in both of their lives who um, isn't as patient or as caring as they'd like them to be. Um, And knowing that this person had the absolute best of intentions, because I know who this person is and the role that they have in their lives. I said, well, you know, so-and-so strikes me as the kind of person who really doesn't take time for herself and has been through a lot with the pandemic. And um, they also have a mom who's um, not well. And so I was like, I, it just strikes me that maybe this person hasn't really been taking some self-care time. And that might be leading to what you're experiencing as like this impatience and stuff. And maybe just kind of know where her intent is coming from. And kiddo like interrupted me to say and you can't pour from an empty cup and said yeah I think you're right she means well and just doesn't realize how she comes across and I was like goosebumps like you know kind of explaining it to their friend like yeah you know you can't pour from an empty cup and I'm like these little ears they listen you know and so (laughs) if that doesn't tell you what you need to know I don't know what will um and for me you know, if you were talking to your adult child, like if this wasn't something that maybe was well practiced and now you realize how important it is and, you know, and your adult child is burned out and needing a break, like, would you speak to them? Like maybe you spoke to yourself at that time, like, no, you're not worthy of a break. Um, you know, like all these other things, like, of course not. You're going to encourage them that they can trust others and that, you know, they're worthy and, and all these kinds of things. And so I think it's just so important for us to kind of remind ourselves that we're worthy, our feelings are valid, and then to build in these other things like supports and, um, 
reevaluating what that self-care is that you need to yourself by going through the mind, body, interpersonal, and personal list of things that might apply. And then literally scheduling it. Like I have scheduled self-care for spring break with my sister. <laughs> like I scheduled the self-care that Matt and I took in January with my mother-in-law in November so that we can plan for our trip and have that self-care. And I'm just kind of always looking ahead to where I'm going to need those bigger breaks, knowing that I personally need that every 60 days or so. And then also building in a lot of those smaller things, like we talked about Sarah with, you know, reading books. And my favorite thing that Matt does is, um, when he goes to work, either on a Saturday or a Sunday, he made the sign that he puts on the door of my, of my office. I actually posted a picture of it on Instagram because it cracks me up. He's got terrible handwriting. And it's like, do not knock on this door or open it for any reason unless it is life or death. Call dad. <laughs> That's like his number. <laughs> Because oh, so adorable. Because I have to get up every morning early with the kids for school, and then Matt gets up early every morning to go to work with the post office. And so if I get up, I, I never get to sleep in, and I need one day a week to sleep in, and I do not feel bad or feel guilty about that. That is my catch-up sleep day, you know, and I know that I need that. And so he does that for me, and he does a lot of things that he does for self-care. His his thing is he likes listening to podcasts. We talked about that in the ADHD show, right? Like that's really nourishing for him and also kind of therapeutic in practice when he listens to certain types of shows and, and that sort of thing. So for everybody, it's a little bit different. Um, but I do want to say that as a recovering type eight controlling personality, um, there are some things that I need to recognize that I think might be helpful for the other listeners who might be feeling the same way. And I say that because I was at um, a Galentine's event this weekend. It was outdoors. Um, and we were talking about um, how all of us end up doing the same things like we're all moms of teenagers most of us and you know we were talking about the frustrations of how our kids will um, avoid doing their chores and somehow I know these kids aren't talking to each other to talk about strategies of avoidance but somehow they're all doing the same things you know and so we were all talking we we're like yes me too right and we were like all passionate about like why why did they do those things um I know I'm not the only one experiencing that because I just heard it from other moms. So let me remind you that, A, things do not have to be perfect. If you need self-care and when you're taking that downtime, like things become messy or dad feeds the kids Chipotle every night, like everyone will be okay. Even if, you know, unless it's a strangulation hazard like Sarah <laughs> like make sure people are safe, obviously. But things do not have to be perfect. Um and don't expect people to know what to do or what you've done if you've owned that for a long time. And this is something that I had to learn myself. Like people want to help. A lot of people want to help, but you have to let them in and you have to show them how. Like shaming a partner or a parent because they don't know Johnny's sports schedule doesn't help anyone, right? Like if you've just been taking care of it this whole time and then you're like, I really need a break and your partner says, okay, well, I don't know what the schedule is like you know what however that's communicated 
like making them feel badly about that isn't actually helping either one of you. And this is a great opportunity to, you know, do one of those turnaround things. Like this is a wonderful opportunity for you to, you know, start helping with Johnny's sports schedule on a more regular basis. <laughs> like now, you know, I'm going to teach you how and you're going to help me. Um, and you have to let go in order for it to be truly self-care. You heard me talk about that first time I went away. I was so worried. I was checking in. You know, it was, I was not letting myself fully breathe and refill my own cup because I was still worried about others. And, you know, allowing yourself to truly disconnect, which Sarah does a fantastic job of, um, it's seriously goals of mine to be as good as Sarah is with um, turning off her phone, disconnecting and and truly not picking that up. Um, one of the things that I've been doing to allow myself to do that, and we're going to get to what do we, what do we each kind of do next for, you know, the tips to help you do some of this. But one of the things that I do is I turn off my phone on um, do not disturb, but then I have a couple of people listed as emergency contacts so that their calls will come through if needed. So for example, you know, my treatment team workers for kiddo or, you know, that kind of stuff. Like we were recording earlier and one of the, um, the school administrators called and it came through because it's, it was on do not disturb. So there are some things that I do to make sure that like safety is still in place, but I'm still, Otherwise, letting myself go and not worrying as much as I am um, on a normal basis, if that makes sense. And then the last thing is once you've done all the prep and pulled everything together as soon, like as much as you can. And I know I'm not the only person who makes like Google Docs uh, and like prints them out. And I had like pages of things for my mother-in-law when she was here. And I know um, I have a lot of mom friends who do that same kind of thing, right? <laughs> like you have yeah. all, all that stuff pulled together. If you've done everything you can, you've done everything you can. Like, don't be that person that's like, oh, I forgot. Oh, I shouldn't have. Oh, blah, blah. Like all of that is is negative self-talk and it's pulling away from your ability to really like refill and restore. This podcast is sponsored by Lumino, the first ever dentist-formulated, naturally-derived, clinically-tested, certified non-toxic oral care company in the world. Oh my gosh, Stacey. I remember when we first heard about them, we were both so excited. We went to the website immediately. You won't find harsh bleaches, artificial dyes, or alcohol in any of their products. They read our minds with formulas for toothpaste, mouthwash, and whitening products that actually help your oral health instead of hurting it. They use purposefully and uncompromising ingredients like sea salt, aloe, and coconut oils to clean and brighten your smile. Plus, everything they make is certified, non-toxic, dentist-formulated, backed by over 50 studies, and proven to protect the good bacteria in your smile, also known as microbiome. These products are designed to neutralize the toxins responsible for infection and disease in your mouth without harming the balance of your body's first line of defense. And they even did a clinical study to prove that using the clean and fresh mouthwash significantly reduced markers of inflammation in those with gingivitis. I admit I totally geeked out on their site's clinical studies. I am big on testing and I can see that they're committed to safety. And I love how my smile feels and looks. Their toothpaste especially is my favorite I've ever used. I know you'll love Lumino as much as we do too. Get 15% off your order today by going to get 
luminocom slash wholeview and use code wholeview. That's G-E-T-L-U-M-I-N-E-U-X dot com slash wholeview. Code wholeview to save 15%. Get luminocom slash wholeview. This podcast is brought to you by Native. I think a lot of people know them for their aluminum-free deodorant, but they also make body wash that has a rich lather, leaving skin feeling moisturized and conditioned long after you shower. I love that they pass the Stacy sniff test. Get it? It's a fragrance joke. <laughs> and they're EWG green. Yes, I have long been recommending it because Native is one of the only deodorant brands available in-store without the use of fragrance. Their coconut and mint, lavender and rose, grapefruit and bergamot, jasmine and cedar, and unscented, which is also a baking soda-free formula, are all fragrance-free and EWG rated 1-2. to two. But even better, they have 0% plastic, 100% paperboard packaging, and the body wash cleansers are derived from coconut oil. The lavender and rose and cucumber mints are also EWG green. So they are not only free of parabens, sulfates, and phthalates, but they are also cruelty-free. Plastic-free paperboard, zero-waste packaging, EWG green, and so accessible. This is huge. Absolutely. And I love that Native is helping to get safer products into the hands of so many people. Actually, we've been using a native deodorant in our house for a couple of years now, and I can personally attest to the fact that it works and smells fantastic. Listeners, it's a great time of year to start fresh and clean by swapping everyday items you're using anyway, like body wash and deodorant. This year, up your personal hygiene routine with Native. Go to nativedeo.com slash wholeview or use promo code wholeview at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash wholeview, or use promo code wholeview at checkout for 20% off your first order. Sarah, you want to run, run through some of the things that we do? I know we've talked about them sporadically throughout the show, but what I thought we could do is kind of like talk about them and then how logistically do we really make that happen? Like, how yeah. does it happen for us? Yeah, so I think one of the the really cool ways that we differ in our self-care practice is that mine is very much focused on daily practice. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't often take these like long breaks to unplug. If I do, it's more like a family camping trip. It's family time rather than time away from my family. But we go somewhere, I, I specifically choose campgrounds that don't have cell signal so that cell phones don't work for anybody when we're there. And that's actually like very intentional. If the campground says uh, free Wi-Fi, I go, oh, nope, I'll keep going. I'll find somewhere else to go. And that's... Um, and then, and that's, that is very different between us because I'm like, yes. nope, can't go here. <laughs> um, but that's, that's, for me, that's unplugging from the things that are that sort of daily grind of stress and turning that self-care time into family time. Like that family time is self-care for me. So, um, so we just have a very different approach and, and very much the way that I approach self-care again is with that very, you know, it's planned into my day. My day, every single morning starts with an hour and a half hike in the woods with my dog unplugged and with, you know, on the weekends, it's with my family as well. And it's nature time. And what I have found is if I'm trying to multitask, I'm trying to, you know, listen to a podcast or a, or a book in the woods or write the news or whatever it is, 
I then am not appreciating the beauty of the place that I'm in. And so learning to keep my phone, you know, it's, I have it just in case we've encountered coyotes a little bit lately, right? Just in case one of those encounters were to ever go bad, knock on wood, hopefully that'll never happen. You know, I have, I have my phone for emergencies. It's there, but I'm not on it, right? I'm not engaging with it. And so that has become something that has become super protected time for me. Um, And the other thing that I do is I use do not disturb pretty much. If you try to text me or call me just about any time of day, you're going to get a, you know, notifications are turned off for Sarah (laughs) notice. And, um, and I honor that. So at seven o'clock in the evening, my do not disturb goes on because that's when I'm starting. That's when I'm starting my wind down, right? I've got, uh, some time to, you know, train the dog, cuddle with the dog, uh, that's when I, I stretch, I juve, I, you know, I might shower in the evenings. I read my book. Like I have a nice long wind down in an early bedtime and I don't read text messages. I don't check my email. I don't, um, I don't answer the phone unless it's like my mother <laughs> at that time of day. Um, and using do not disturb has been, um, it's been really important for, for, keeping myself accountable to that. And it's also helped model the behavior. So I actually had a whole conversation with my 15 year old, um, last week when she was texting friends quite late at night, I was actually already asleep and something had upset her. And she actually came into my room to wake me up to talk through it. And I'm really glad that she, you know, sees me as that person who can help her process emotions and talk through things. Um, it was not great in the sense that it really, you know, eroded my, my sleep quality that night. And so we talked through what needed to be talked through that evening. And then the next day we talked through, here's what I do to protect my bedtime and texting friends. Like it's wonderful. Yes, but it's stimulating and it's not a great thing to do right before you go to bed. If sleep quality is a priority, which we've you know, in our family, we, it is sleep quality is, is something that we all are, are aiming for on a daily basis. And so we ended up having a whole conversation. I said, uh, you are going to pick what time is going to be your own cutoff time for when you're not going to check your text messages anymore in the evening. And you are going to hold yourself accountable for that choice. My suggestion is maybe before you go shower and get ready for bed, sit with your phone, read through all your text messages, answer whoever you want, or send the text message that you were planning on sending. And then phone gets put away, shower, start your wind down time. And she, um, I mean, it was, it was having had the illustration of it just immediately of like how something really stimulating in text messages can erode sleep from the night before. She was very receptive to that conversation, but also very receptive, you know, talking, expanding this conversation from last week's show, very receptive to being the one empowered to make the choice. But for me, what I see this as is teaching my teenagers, uh, I'm modeling the behavior, but also then talking through, this is why I have my phone set up this way so that the, these things that would otherwise be 
stressful. Like my team knows they can text me any time of day and it's not going to wake me up because my phone's on do not disturb. And then when I'm ready to sit down and work, I can look and see what is there actionable in my text messages that I can, I can focus on. Um, and so it's on my terms. So the, the biggest thing that I have done for self-care is, uh, controlling when my phone is able to interrupt my day. The next biggest thing has been protecting sleep. Sleep is non-negotiable. My bedtime is non-negotiable. My wind down time is non-negotiable and protecting my unplugged nature hikes. Like those are the things in my life that are in my everyday life, that they're, they're self-care activities that are scheduled and they're, they're my, on my to-do list. It's, it is, um, I have rather than doing self-care with like what time I might have left after I got everything else done. Self-care is on the to-do list. So it comes before other things that I would love to get done that aren't as important, right? I have made, I've made my self-care activities on a daily basis, like top priorities, right? That it is a thing that is non-negotiable is this time that is dedicated for these things. And I think it's because, um, because I've taken on that mentality for self-care as a daily practice, um, I think that's, that's, um, why I'm able to really maintain, uh, that emotional health thanks to that self-care because it is something that has been so, so scheduled, but my big tools are like screen time limits and do not disturb on my phone and being really intentional about, when my phone is allowed to, even if I think it's something fun, even if I think it's, um, you know, a fun podcast or YouTube video, right. Even when I think it's, it's, uh, playtime, it's still not for me. I don't, I don't feel restored in the same way as when I'm fully unplugged. So recognizing that about myself and then routinizing that into my, into my everyday and, uh, helping my kids learn the same thing. Yeah. So the, the self accountability is, is, is probably the biggest piece there. Yeah. And I think that goes into kind of a conversation we've been having about routines and habits and all those kinds of things, because you have to go to bed early in order to be able to get up early to have the walk with your dog. Mm -hmm. So therefore your phone can't interrupt, right? You kind of have to walk it all back and you decide on one thing. And let's, I know you're, you're focusing on your phone, but let's say that one thing is you want to go on a hike with your dog every morning, not just for yourself, but for your dog, because if you don't, then your dog's a mess and it disrupts your work yep. day. And you, you know all what true. I mean? Like, so there's yeah. all those repercussions. So, okay. The most important thing is I need to go on a walk with my dog in the mornings. What do I need to do to make that happen? And all the things that you mentioned are things that you do in order to make that happen. You, yep. you did it before you had a dog, but I'm just giving this as an example because I'm much better at it now. Yes. With the dog. I, I don't want to say that, but okay. I'll uh. say it. I'll say it. I am much, I'm much better at it with the, the, again, I, I've, I've said this before, but getting a high energy dog was one of the best decisions I ever made for my emotional and physical health. Yeah. So I think I'm highlighting that because it's the same thing that I'm asking our listeners to do. Find one thing 
that brings you checks as many of those boxes as you can in the self-care category, right? Because you're going to have to constantly practice boundaries. I had to do that yesterday. It wasn't like on the spur of the moment in in the business meeting, right? Or, you know, all these different kinds of things that we're talking about. But for me, that thing is fully disconnecting and getting away from my family a couple of times. (laughs) And it's, it's so true that Sarah and I are very different. I mean, obviously, time with my family is very restorative in a different sort of way, but I need a break. And it's okay for me to say that. I don't need the same level of daily. um, But I think that is just an example of we can't possibly tell you exactly what to do and how to do it. But what you need to figure out is what it is that you need and then walk back into what needs to happen in order for that to exist. And in my case, because it's leaving for a few days, it's, okay, who's going to take care of the children? What's the plan? Putting the plan together, making sure that there's backup and supports in place so that I don't need to be called or worried about, I know that if something happens, you know, blah, 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 blah. I have to walk that back and I have to plan for it and I have to check my schedule and make sure that, you know, all of those things that it's the, you know, right time and blah, blah, blah. And I, then I need to look forward to, you know, not waiting until I need it the next time, which is what happened the first time that I went away, because then it's like too late to try to plan all of that. Right. So now I'm looking ahead to Matt and I had a break in January. Okay. I'm going to see my sister for spring break. Perfect. I will coordinate with my sister on what we can do for Matt and I to have some time. And I will get a break from Matt in between those two times, being able to lean on him and saying, hey, I need a couple of hours or, you know, those things that I need to kind of restore along the way. But it is because I am also practicing regular self-care. I do like getting a mani-pedi. That is something that I do. And the reason that a mani is so important. It's not, I mean, I love having fun nails, but the reason that a manicure is so helpful for me is because it literally takes my phone out of my hand and like, mm. I can't touch it. Right. Like I, my, my hands are physically unable to be used for a while. And that is, that is the kind of help that I need to like personally shut down. I do have some things in place on my phone where it's like when it's my bedtime, it shuts my apps down so that I can't like get into them. Um, because I am the kind of person that is not nearly as disciplined as Sarah and feels like, oh, well I could, or I, you know, I should just check one more time and blah, blah, blah. Again, with the should statements and all those kinds of things, like the internet does not need me that late at night. <laughs> like no. for the most part. My business, I do work late on month end and that particular night I plan for, again, another example. I know that on month end it's a it's a it's the busiest day of my month in terms of the way that my business cycles and I'll have team members who are working towards a goal or who might need help and on the West Coast, it doesn't end until 3 a.m. I don't stay up till 3 a.m., but I make myself more available later than usual on that night to be of support for people. So I plan in that on the first of the month, the day after month end, that is a day that I don't work because I stay up late, I help people, and then I take that day to rest and recover. I sleep in and I rest and recover. So these are the kinds of things that I know what I need and therefore I'm 
building them in. And I think the the most important element of this is being aware of what you're missing. So for me, when I start like missing water aerobics many times in a row, okay, what's going on with me? Why am I not practicing that self-care for my physical self? Or if I'm not setting the boundaries that I need to set because it's just easier to be like, fine, I'll do it. I mean, I know as a mom, we all do this with our kids, right? Like how much harder is it to have this like long drawn out battle around whether it's a temper tantrum with a toddler or a temper tantrum with a teenager, it's all the same. Like (laughs) it's sometimes it feels easier just to be like, you know what? I'll pick up the roller skate they left on the stairs. Um, But if you find yourself doing that instead of teaching them, don't leave roller skates, roller skates on the stairs. That's super dangerous. That's Why would you do that? Idea. Not never a good well. idea. You know, it's it's more work at, to do that. And so what that tells me when I find myself starting to just like do those things, those kinds of things mm. myself, is that I'm not getting what I need in terms of self-care because I'm, I'm just taking the easy route, which means I have less patience and I'm, I'm not taking care of myself as much. So I would ask everyone to consider just to be as mindful as you can of those kinds of things like me not watering my plants and me picking up after my kids instead of telling them to do it. Those kinds of things in your own life that are kind of signals to, hey, I need to focus on myself. I'm, I'm, running out of oxygen because I'm not putting a mask on myself first. And I'm putting it on other people. Yeah. Mine is I start truncating my bedtime routine. Mm-hmm. I start rushing it. Mm-hmm. That is, that is the first thing that, that will give to, you know, if I feel like, and it's classically, I've taken on too many things, right? I have not done a good job saying no. And I start, you know, going back in front of my computer to get an extra hour of work in after dinner. Right. And it's, it's those types of things that start eating away at my bed, at my bedtime routine. So that for me is always my first, my first clue that something's, something needs to change. This is not cool. Um, and it's, it's if I start rushing my bedtime routine or skipping parts of my bedtime routine in order to, you know, try not to go to bed too late, but you know, start getting ready for bed an hour or even two hours later than normal. Right. So that's, that for me is my, my first thing, but I love, I love sort of just thinking about, you know, sometimes it's a give and take, right? Sometimes the universe is, is just a a jerk and throws way too many curveballs at you at the same time. So, you know, sometimes those things are outside of our control, but that doesn't mean we can't take a step back and look at, that through the lens of self-care and think about, okay, here's, here's what I'm doing to, you know, get through this particular situation. Here's what I can do to continue to prioritize self-care, even if it's not ideal through this situation. So thinking about it in terms of, you know, where, where, where's the part that holds me together? Because I can't do all of these things that somehow the curveballs of the universe, I can't get all of this done without doing the self-care because, uh, as kiddo, as kiddo so astutely put, mm-hmm. can't pour from an empty cup. I'm, I'm bringing it, I'm bringing it full circle back to that. I just got teary eyed when you said it, like reliving that moment and just realizing what they were learning, right? Like that they, it hadn't been something that had been taught to them and that they were seeing, they weren't assuming the worst of someone else and they were also learning 
to take care of themselves. So if we have a parting lesson for you, it's that if for no other reason, practice self-care for others, for your children, let them see that this is important for them to learn how to do for themselves. And maybe that's it. If, if you don't feel like you're worthy, at least do it so that you can say, I need to teach this to my kids. And in practicing that over time, I hope that you learn that you are worthy and that your feelings are valid and that you deserve self-care um, and it will improve your health. So thanks so much for listening and we'll be back again next week. We love providing the Whole View podcast for you as a free resource. You can support the show by using the links and codes we share in our podcast. And we love to read your reviews and chats wherever you listen. And don't forget to share our podcast with your friends and family. Speaking of chat, did you know that you can get exclusive behind the scenes content on Patreon? When you support us with your Patreon membership, you get access to live Q&As and weekly bonus audio but they're not for kids' ears because our bonus content is explicit. You can also stay in touch with us via our social media channels. I'm at Real Everything Blog. And I'm at The Paleo Mom. And we've got more great resources on our websites and in our newsletters. We are Allie and Erica, certified integrative nutrition health coaches in gut and hormone health and the hosts of the podcast, Courageous Wellness. We are committed to destigmatizing conversations in the wellness space and celebrate the experiences and lessons of our guests in pursuit of physical, emotional, and spiritual wellness. Listen to Courageous Wellness wherever you get your podcasts with fresh episodes every Wednesday.